Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And today is Monday, June 4th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 67, the first paragraph, which begins, we avoid retaliation or argument, reading through two paragraphs, ending with willing to set these matters straight. We'll be commenting on both paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Esther F., for the 12 traditions, Sandy L. And readers of the text this morning are Russ M., Allison L., and the backup is Katie G. The share ID number for yesterday's special edition, June 3rd, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, is 11495, 11,495. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Esther F., to read OA's 12 Steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 Steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, 
made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service my past. Thanks so much, Esther F. And I'll now ask Sandy L. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Sandy L. from West of Chicago, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this opportunity to do service, and I pass. Thanks so much, Sandy L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know 
by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 67. We'll be reading the first two paragraphs, which begins with we avoid retaliation or argument and the ending with willing to set these matters straight. I will have Russ M. start us off. Morning, Russ. All right. Good morning, Anita. Can I be heard? Yes. Yes, good. Is, is that better? It is, definitely. All right. Great. All right. Good morning, my fellows. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Reader outside of Philly. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people this way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listened to them. We list, listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. So we avoid retaliation and argument. We wouldn't treat a sick, sick people that way. So about 1995, my grandfather, he had a tumor, a brain tumor, and he was really sick. And the day before he died, or the day before he went up and, and, and he was in a coma for five days, the last day I talked to him, he snapped at me. Never snapped at me ever. Yelled and kind of like screamed at me over something stupid. And in my heart, I wasn't even hurt. It didn't faze me because I knew he was sick. I knew he was hurting. Now, flash forward to now, right? Fast forward to now. You know, somebody critiques me or is having a bad day, and they come at me. As always, I you know I want to I want to lash out, not thinking that they might have issues, they might have things going on. I'm so self-centered. I all I can feel is my feelings and who I am. And I want to argue them to death and get my point across and stomp my feet. But that's that's not a peaceful way to live. You know, the book is big book is telling us, look, everybody's struggling. Everybody has issues. You know, the only person you truly can change with God's help is you. You know, when when we get when when we lose our cool, we 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 act like a fool or we get into foolishness. So, like, yelling and screaming, which I'm guilty of, which I battle, it's not going to change anyone. I can only look at myself and do what I can do better. Because even talking to someone in a loving manner is not going to change them. Only God could change a person. And only God could change me. So I have to focus on myself. And where, what was my payoff in whatever interaction was going on? And, 
you know, that's all I can do. I can't blame other people. I can only look at what I can change to have serenity, you know, with God's help. Not that I can do it on my own because I'm powerless over that too. But how can I change? How can I be effective? How can I be of service to someone else? Even when they're treating me like garbage or the interaction's not the the best, it's not the happiest. We're all struggling. And guess what? We're all made in God's image. We're all God's handiwork. So it does that because someone's giving me a hard time doesn't mean I, I, I get to blast them because God loves them just like they, God loves me. So I appreciate you letting me do service and being a part of this meeting. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, <clears throat> Rasem. All right. Who else would like to comment for about three minutes? Janice P.M. Janice P. Kansas P. And who Larry is and who is the C? Ginger C. Oh, Ginger. Okay. Harlan G. Harlan. Larry W. I have you, Larry. And who was the Hudson W? Lavender. Okay, wait. Who was the W? After Sarah. Harlan. Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Okay. Oh, that's perfect. That's a wonderful beginning here. Seven people. So we have Janice P.M., Tenzin P., Ginger C., Larry K., Harlan G., Sarah W., and Hudson. I, I forget the initial. You'll tell me. All right. Good morning, Janice P.M. Well, good morning to you, Anita J. Yes, this is Janice P.M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts, too. Um, yeah, retaliation. Boy, was that that was my middle name. I'm, if you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. You know, because it doesn't feel that good. Well, <laughs> and another thing, you know, I, I I didn't need to prove, but I was trying to all the time, trying to prove that I was right and you were wrong. Can you imagine self-righteous galore? You know, and um, I'd find wonderful ways with my, it isn't wonderful ways, terrible ways with my tongue. And that's how I would get back at you, you know, or gossip about you. Those were retaliation behaviors. And, um, you know, with that type of personality, I, I can't be helpful to anyone, to my husband, to my children, to people. You know, I, I'd, I'd, or I'd be very cool, you know, and do it uh um, underhanded, which should, you know, but I really meant what I said. Um, you see, th- that's no way to get better. If you hurt me, then I'll get even with you. But you see, with this step, it teaches me that I must be responsible for myself. In other words, when, when other people would say, you know, oh, when I would do it today, I can do it because I'm recovered, and I don't do it all the time, but because um, I'm not perfect, um, you know, I, w- I, would, I see them as a spiritually sick person. They're in spiritual pain, just like if somebody had cancer. I mean, I, I would feel bad for them, like we was just, was just said, the man was sick. And, um, you know, you, you feel bad, and you say, geez, let me, let me have some restraint here. So we have to do the same thing with people that are spiritually in pain. It's the same, you know, it's really the same thing. Um, um, but when I see what they do to me, I look at myself and I say, hmm, have I ever done that? 
And the answer is usually yes. Um, and then I can act differently. But I can't do this myself. I have to um, ask for help. And my help to my higher power um, is the one that's going to change me. So I've learned to say, God bless them, change me. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Janice PM. Uh, Tenzin, good morning. And then it will be Ginger C. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin T calling in from near New York City. Oh, these are quite a couple of paragraphs. Uh, so we avoid retaliation or argument. So the more I uh, work on um, the changing myself, not others, uh, the more I get to also see the the places where the afflictions are still hiding in the corners. So we avoid retaliation or argument. I I see more these days how I can still be so reactive on the inside and how it can come out as blurting things out or interrupting other people or not being able to wait and listen inside. And here is the practice of patience crying out to me. So, okay, we wouldn't treat sick people this way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. So those two sentences right there, this is um, um, the motivation that underlies the whole big book. It's about how can I be helpful um, right from the very beginning. May this become my knee-jerk reaction. May that this become my knee-jerk reaction to think about being helpful right away instead of uh, the inner reaction, even if it doesn't come out so much anymore. Okay, Um, and then moving on to putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done. We resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Yeah, so here, right here in this uh, sentence, um, this is the huge LinkedIn or pry bar. We get to get, I get to get underneath the chatter or the resentment and turn a huge corner without blame or shame for myself. But this is the place where I start taking responsibility at a whole other level. And then the selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and frightened, this is the short list of how we are suggested to analyze any difficult situation that I find my mind and my behavior in. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and and then, um, so then towards the end it's, uh, of this couple paragraphs, we admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing. Uh, we, we placed these before us in black and white. This is about the fourth step. So writing is a helpful tool, black and white. For my chaotic monkey mind, it's very helpful to put it down on paper. My sponsor says over and over, bullet points, no long story. And um, with that, Mm -hmm. uh, just so grateful for all that I and all of us are doing. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Tenzin P. Ginger C., good morning. Good morning, Anita J. Thanks so much for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. 
And um, my heart is just feeling tremendous gratitude. You know, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous and this big book. This is my owner's manual for living life on life's terms. And I will always be indebted to A Vision for You. This is where I first tapped into this book. And, um, and it blew me away. I was dying and suffering in a food addiction that I never thought would be arrested. And then I started following these precise directions, these clear-cut directions, exactly as they were outlined. And my life started taking on a new meaning. Most importantly, I started feeling neutral around food, which was unbelievable. And then I'm showing up with this new attitude, this inner reorganization that happens by doing this work, where I'm thinking more about you and less about me. So if anyone's new on the line or suffering, just put the food down and get into this work, get into this action, because it's always what I'm doing, not what I'm thinking. And I love how the paragraph before we even read in, in today's morning, you know, God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. This program is about me tapping into a power greater than myself, letting go of the wheel, surrendering, and letting God steer. Thy will be done many times each day. And then I get to show up even when people disturb me. And I welcome them today. And that's amazing because like someone mentioned earlier, I used to fight them. Oh, my God, you step on my toes, I'm going to step on you. Hurt people hurt people. And today, because of this new way of thinking, I see that God's just loving me and giving me another opportunity to grow because that's how God gets my attention. It was the pain of every beautiful bite that got me sharing with you this morning. I don't come in happy, joyous, and free. But I get to see again this loving God and the power of how it all works. And thank God for these 10-step directions that we're reading right now. And there's someone on the line this morning that has saved my life more times because of her digging. It's spiritual soul surgery that she does. And she has saved me hours and dollars in a therapist's office, which quite honestly never even worked. I cannot even tell you how many times I went around my mother and those issues. But then I got into this work, and I was actually able to make an amends to this mom that left me as a child. And, and my heart opened up in a way that has never, ever before. So again, it's simple. This program's simple. I've got to stop thinking and start doing. And with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Ginger C. Larry, you're up, followed by Harlan. Hi, Anita. Good morning. Thank you for your service. <clears throat> um, here's how to sabotage your recovery. I, I'm, I'm a good person to, to talk about that. So if you're seeking to sabotage your recovery, here's how to do it. Um, when you get to column four, we're talking about the four-step inventory. Here, here's what you do. Take a yes, but approach to looking at that last column. Yes, yes, uh, I was at fault here, or this was my part in it, but. I spent five years in the yes, but sabotage approach in the last column of step four. It was uh, a factor. It was, you know, it's interesting if we can, if we can take a look at our part in it and avoid the yes, but that's perhaps the strongest factor as a springboard towards making change. In other words, these actions I'm taking in step four 
really is, is setting in motion. It's setting the stage for releasing a spiritual, the spiritual potential in each of us. And when I know that I'm fully accepted, no longer a yes, but taking responsibility, despite all my character flaws, then, you know, here's the interesting thing. I cannot help but change. Try, I defy you not to change if you take responsibility for your part in it. But when I'm consistently in the posture of defending, change is utterly impossible. But when I lay down my guard, change is in fact a certainty. Because then by God's grace, I begin to feel there's, there's no longer any need for defensive barriers. So then <clears throat> what, what begins to take over is a sort of forward-moving process of spiritual change. First, we trust in the process that we see has worked in others. And then next, you know, I begin to trust that change might just be possible for me. And from there, I slowly begin to trust in the higher power of my own understanding. And the dimmer light switch begins to illuminate more and more in me over time. And the outcome of this entire process is not what, you'll, what, what you're going to become. Rather, I experience it more as a becoming, an unfolding. And when we become something, we're finished at the end of the process. We get to the finish line, we get a trophy. We head to the drive through but there's no finish line here. There's no trophy waiting for me at the finish line. So wrapping up, when I change my paradigm of understanding of what recovery is, what these actions are designed for, see, I stop chasing after the trophy. It never existed. It was fantasy. And then the process of spiritual actualization begins to unfold. And that's the miracle of this deal. I'm a satisfied customer. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, me too. All right, Harlan, and then it'll be Sarah W. Thanks, Anita, and thanks to Team Monday for making this wonderful meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the fourth column of the resentment inventory. And as you can see from reading these words, I don't have to download anything. I don't have to buy any concordances, pamphlets, magazines, anything. It's very, very simple. The first three columns are on page 65. This is the fourth column. I'm going to list what I did to set this resentment in motion, and then I'm going to name the character defects. This is not an exercise in self-flagellation. What this is, is me establishing on paper where I'm at. If I want to go someplace, I first must know where am I now, now where do I want to be, what's the map to get there. And I'm going to put down what I did, and then I'm going to say if I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. Those are the defects of character. I don't have to search out any other defects of character. These are the defects of character. And I'm going to say on here, we not say, I'm going to read on here, we place them before us in black and white. What could be simpler? We admitted our wrongs and honestly, we admitted our wrongs honestly and we're willing to set these matters straight. Where am I headed for? I'm headed for step nine eventually and I'm going to make these matters straight. Now before I say another word, there are 332 people on this line right now. And there are people on this line that have been raped. 
There are people on this line, I know one for sure, that was abandoned by her mother. Some of you have been abandoned by a father. Some of you have been molested or physically beaten by people who brought you into the world or were very close to you and were supposed to love you. What's your part in that? Nothing. Nothing. But on the page before, on page 66, it says, if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. The grouch is the person that's always mad. The brainstorm, as was used that word then, the person who was very tempestuous in their anger, and then they were fine. I have to be free of this, so I have to list the resentment. I do not have a part in those but I need to be ready to give it to God because I have stopped fighting the world now. I don't want to hang on to these resentments. The, the, the payoff to that resentment is I can abdicate responsibility for my own life now. Now I'm giving restitution to God. I'm giving restitution to my higher power, and I'm ready to move on. And most of these people that have had me by the yang-yang are dead and in the cemetery or not part of my life anymore. I want to move on. And with that, I will pass. The process is simple. I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan. Sarah W., good morning. And then it will be Hudson. Good morning, Anita J. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, a vision for you. My name is Sarah W., grateful compulsive overeater from Iowa. Um, You know, I I like that we had the sick man's prayer prior to what we're reading now. And, you know, the whole step is really about courage. It takes a lot of courage to look at ourselves. And um, it took a lot of courage for me to look at myself. And, um, you know, it's it's a continuation process of growing and learning and and growing closer to my higher power and also trusting uh, my higher power and trusting others and trusting myself. And, you know, if I really want to be free, you know, it's what I need to continue to do, whether it be in a 10-step or a full four-step again, and it's uh, part of the process. I love uh, the idea um, that we don't need to retaliate, but there are times where we really need to be very cautious in how we do a nine-step amend or, um, you know, as was spoken about just previously, if we've been severely hurt by somebody, especially as a child or even as an adult, um, where we had no part, uh, the only part that I can see that a, a person would have is that they are afraid to allow themselves to love again, but that's just part of a process in life. Um, and it takes a lot of time and healing. Uh, I love the promise that it offers us. At least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Uh, Unless I start to have um, a real tolerance and um, lack of judgment and realize that people are doing the best they can, I'm not going to grow and mature. And my problem was I came in when I was 38, but I was mentally probably about 11 or 12. And it really takes a lot of responsibility to start looking at these things without taking a club and hitting ourselves with it. It's not meant to be that. 
it's meant to really be in a very loving way. And that's the way I do it, not in a way that I'm punitive with myself because I've had enough punitive relationships and feelings about myself. So, you know, there is a way to do it without doing that. I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be abstinent, sober, and emotionally sober. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sarah W. Hudson. Was it Hudson L.? Hi, this is Hudson Lavender, or I'm sorry, Hudson L. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, okay. So uh, this is all thrilling, exciting, and I'm a little nervous because it's a huge group. And so uh, here I am. I am uh, three months abstinent and um, doing my ninth step. And um, I... I I have not done an amend an, one yet. I've prepared. I'm doing one today and hopefully one tomorrow. And um, I'm just thrilled to have this fellowship and support and a wonderful sponsor in the way of like walking through what feels like a bunch of crappy, crappy stuff that's gotten in my my way for for decades. Um, I wanted to, my first thought when I, when I said, okay, I'm going to speak today, uh, I was thinking of the sick man's prayer and you guys, uh, reading that and everything. And I thought, um, I, part of me wants to make an amend to, to this fellowship, to this group in that way of like putting you up on this huge pedestal that makes it so hard for me to, you know, push star one quickly so that I could say something. Uh, that is part of my process for for full healing is to, to like, admit where I'm struggling, admit where things are going well, and in front of my fellows. And uh, this is the biggest audience yet of my fellows that I've ever uh, used my voice with. So I just want to say that I'm really grateful to have all the support I have, as I actually take uh, with, with, of course, spirit, with, with, of course, with God, to actually speak up and say, what's my part, instead of sitting in victimhood. And I have to say, this fellowship is, I think, the first real authentic time that I get what my victimhood has done to me and where it has left me, whereas plunging through and taking responsibility for my role in life, what it could do for me with God's support and help and the help of my fellows and my sponsor. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Every single morning that I get up and get on this phone line and hear you and all your smart words and all your recovery and all your hopes and dreams and, um, it, come, it goes to my heart. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Hudson L. Uh, just to remind everybody, we're on page 67, and we're reading the first two paragraphs and commenting on both. Katie G. Like from Boston. Katie Nessa G. R. Lisa B. And Lisa B. Chanel. Kim L. And who was the R? 
you know, so when I did my first step four and even subsequent ones, I had a ton of names on those pages, you know, and there were pages and pages and pages, you know, and some of the resentments um, were very silly, but some of them were quite serious. And, you know, my objective um, in doing this step four was to prove to the world that I was right, that I was very hard done by, that I had nothing to do with what had happened to my life, in my life, what had happened to me. You know, that was my solely end, to get my sponsor and whoever would listen to feel sorry for me, to agree with me that these were despicable people. Um, but in looking at the pages, the way the big book instructs, I, I noticed something quite peculiar that all these entries have one common denominator. You know, the same thing for pages and pages and pages, and it was me. I was the common denominator. You know, and it says, you know, we disregard the other person entirely. And so what this tells me is that column one, columns one and two, and even column three actually, are quite irrelevant. What really matters is column four. So why are columns one, two, and three there? And that's simply in order to help me ease my way into column four. Because if somebody said to me, you like Nessa, you know, like, oh, these are your problems. These are the people that you, that you hate, that you're angry at. You know, what's your part in it? I would say absolutely nothing. I have nothing to do with any of this. You know, all these people were mean to me, and they did that, and they did this. And I would go again into the, into the Martyrs of Pity song. Um, you know, so, um, so it eases me by, by, by taking me through this, I guess, continuum of who am I angry at, okay? And what is the cause? So I realize I'm not really angry at those people. I'm angry because of what they did. And then I go into column three, which is how it affects my instincts. And I, and I see that I'm not angry at those people, not even because of what they did, but because of how it affected me. And then finally, column four, I get to see that my resentment is not because of those people, not because of what they did, and not even because of how it affected me, but because... I am selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and fearful, you know, and so it's just a way to, a, a, a quite gentle and kind way to get me to the prize that I could not get to just on my own, just on the, on the first try, and then I can see, you know, then I can disregard, and I should disregard, I must disregard the other people entirely, because even though what they may have done is not my fault, um, this is my life and it is my responsibility and it's column four, the only thing that I can work on. I cannot work on other people. Thank you. And I cannot work on the past. I can only work on myself and that's where the focus needs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Nessa. Uh, Lisa B. And then it will be Kim L. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Anita, for your service. Um, so I was listening to all the shares this morning, and all of a sudden it just popped in my, in my mind that this step is preparing me to have everything not be about me. Um, so until I could do this work and see um, all of my part, instead of just focusing all the time on everyone else, um, I was stuck in a trap that I just couldn't break free. And there's two things that come into my mind. One is on page 98, 
in working with others, it says argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. So blaming other people, fighting with other people. My role today is to be of service to God and to others. And it says um, we cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how. So I'm, I'm placing myself in position to have this grace work through me. And then when I look on page 27 and there is a solution, it describes what being recovered, what being awakened is. And it goes into that. You know, they appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of my life. What were those attitudes? Well, blaming other people, fault-finding, being a victim, being stuck, glued, and mired to pain, misery, and depression, and unhappiness. So I needed to go through this work um, to begin that spiritual surgery process. And then when it says putting out of our minds the wrongs other had done, that was so foreign to me. And today it still can be so foreign. But I'm grateful that I have a higher power that I can tap into. But I have to go to others. I need to share this with other recovered compulsive overeaters because this big book tells me I don't have the ability to see the true from the false. And I need desperately others to help me and then to be of service to others and be that channel. But it, it just all starts with doing this work. And it's not all about me, but it is about me. <laughs> so with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lisa B. Kim L., and then it will be Carol R. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kim L., and I'm from South Carolina. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, I actually really love this step. This is one of the steps that I actually avoided for, I would say, decades. I was so afraid of doing this step. I was afraid of looking at myself. I was always a victim, so I never really thought that I played a part in anything. It was always about what people did to me. Um, and when I did think about my resentments and my fears, it was always it was always about them and I didn't want to forgive people. I wanted to hold on to that resentment because I was really wronged. Um this this step has given me such freedom. When I have difficulties now, the first thing my sponsor has me do, of course, you know, I still go back to the old behaviors and, and the character defects. Um, defects pop up, but when I look at myself and when I do a turnaround, um, I have such freedom. It allows me to change my perspective on everything. Um, my resentments, I don't have I don't have as many resentments, or when I do, I get the freedom. I'm able to spend time with my ex-husband that I used to hate. I hated this guy. I'm able to spend time with him and meet with him and, and hang out with him just because I'm with my boys. That's more important to me than holding on to the, to the hatred that I had for him. Um, I'm, a, I'm able to let my boys go, and it's not about, oh, you're moving out of state. Um, it's not about, oh, poor me, how am I going to see you? I'm able to give them that freedom, and then they can have a better life because it's, they're not worrying about me. Um, I used to job hop constantly. I, I I would have a problem with people at work or I didn't like the way they did things. 
And now I'm so much more accepting of people. I was abandoned when I, by my father when I was a child, and I have so much more compassion for him and his family now. It's amazing the freedom that I've gotten from this step. Um, it's really opened my heart, and it's given me compassion for others. And and I would have to say, aside from putting the food down, this has got to be one of the the best steps because it allows me to, to look at myself and it gives me the power to, of course, with the help of my higher power, but it gives me the power to be, to be, to not be a victim anymore and to change my behaviors so I can have more freedom. Um, I guess that's all, that's all I want to say. I'm just grateful for the peace that this, that's the part of the that this has given me. And I want to just stress that I had so much fear it took me decades to do this. And and it's so worth it. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks so much for sharing, Kimel. Carol R. And then it'll be Lauren N. Hi everybody. Good morning. My name's Carol R. Can you hear me? Yes, Carol. Okay, thanks. Um I'm just so glad that I found you guys, and um, it's so wonderful to be able to work through the big book with a group of people that are all doing the same thing and really are, you know, trying to get in, you know, trying to recover in the best way that they can be and be the best person that they can be. And um, I know I started working with a big book person a while back, and um, the very... um, Last line, we admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Um, Willingness, willing to set these matters straight. When I first came in the program, I was so self-righteous, I was so self-centered, I was so a million other things. I I couldn't even look at my own self or see, see my part in it, my part of the street, you know, I was always blaming others, Um, you know, I grew up with a mom, I know she loved me, and I know she did the best that she could for me, but she wasn't there for me emotionally, and my dad wasn't there for me emotionally, you know, and I just, I was so mad at her all my life, and um, I just could not get settled with my mom. I was just so angry. Everything she did. Um, And it was these turnarounds that actually turned me around and I, I started to see my mother differently. I was able to forgive my mother. And the last two years of her life, my mom just passed away in October. But the last two years of our of her life we were actually able to have a relationship that was different than the first, you know, way before that. And I was able to um, actually, we actually started to laugh together for the first time and, and enjoy each other's company. And it was a true miracle. And it was all because of these turnarounds. And now fast forward, I'm, I'm in, you know, working with the visions group now and I'm in the beginning of um, working step nine and I'm through about, I guess, a third of that. And um, 
when we're talking in this first uh, sentence about avoiding retaliation or argument, you know, I, st- I still fall into that trap of argument, you know, um, with my husband. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, you know, someday, I guess, working with the visions group, <laughs> I'm going to be able to turn that around too, but I'm still, like, struggling with that. Um, and um, I've come a long way, you know, I've come a long way in so many things. Um, I am a recovering mm-hmm. rageaholic. Please. I'm sorry, is it time? Yes, please. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carol. Um, the next two, you've got about a minute and a half each, maybe close to two. Go ahead and try. Lauren, Ann, and then uh, Chrissy G. Thank you, Anita. This is Lauren Ann. Can you hear me? Yes. Will you time me? Of course. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> you were so... Wonderful. Thank you, Anita. Thank you, everyone. This is Lauren N. Compulsible Burrito Sugar Addict in New York. I am so grateful for the for this this step and for the fact that I could clear my house when I did it. Um, I I make amends every day when I write my do my ten, eleven, and twelve, and or my ten and eleven. And I make amends to myself because usually I'm number one up there. I know some of you say don't make amends to yourself, but I've heard I am so hard on myself and I have a tendency to beat myself up like crazy. And um, I need to learn how to be kind to myself. And my sponsor says, oh, honey, oh, honey is the best way to do that. And she is so right. Because when I say that to myself, I am kind and loving to myself. And when I'm kind and loving to myself, I can be kind and loving to everyone else around me. I'm a better person when I'm like that. Thank you all for teaching me one day at a time how to do that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. Perfect. Perfect. You didn't need me. Uh, All right, Chrissy G., you will be our last. Speaker, and you've got two minutes. Hi, yes. Good morning, everybody. This is Chrissy G, Recovered Compulsive Eater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And um, I never knew what I know now about human nature. I just didn't because I wasn't, I wasn't capable of seeing it. Are we okay? Um, can you hear me? Now I can. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, I was just saying that this step taught me everything I know about human nature and and about myself and how it was said earlier that we're, I'm capable of anything that anybody else is capable of. I'm no better than anyone else and I'm no worse. You know, like the that wonderful story in the big book says there's a little bit of good in the worst of us and some bad in, in the best of us. And we're all God's children. And I really, that... I really um, have that sense in in my soul after doing this step. I can really walk this this earth and not look at people as good and bad anymore and just um, categorize them, which is what I used to do. And and I, I find that that 
isolated me from my from the parts of myself that I didn't agree with or like that I would label bad and it isolated me from the people that I loved when I thought that they were exhibiting behaviors that were bad you know and now it's sort of I can it's it's just like more um more fluid the way I see people the way I interact with people and I'm just so grateful for this for this step it it truly is soul surgery and with that I pass Thank you so much, Chrissy G. Yes, this is the this is the step where I join the human race. Um, at the end of um, this is the end of this uh, first hour, and I want to thank everyone who shared uh, and the share ID for what you've just been part of is eleven thousand four hundred ninety six one one four nine six. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So, Allison L., would you please read a vision for you for us? Yes, I will. This is Allison L., recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. That noise is not me. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.